Amen. What a privilege it is to, to worship God and to claim our identity in him and, and say that I'm a child of God. I want to take just a moment of privilege to say congratulations to Cherish Varlak for your graduation from Lee University and welcome back home. Speaking of uh, young people and young adults, uh, over the Christmas, over the New Year's holiday, uh, Thomas, who was playing the synthesizer back there, and a couple other uh, people, Josh Rengha from our church, went to a conference in Atlanta, Georgia called Passion. And as they gathered in the stadium there, there were 65,000 young adults uh, who were worshiping God who received the new year, New Year's Eve received it by uh, uh, hearing God's word and worshiping God and, and an incredible experience. What a, what a great way to begin a new year. And one of the evenings, uh, the leaders of the conference shared with the young adults this challenge of translating the Bible to all the languages of people groups around the world. You know that in 2020, today, as we stand, there are still people groups and tribes that do not have the Bible in their own language. So as they share that with the young people there uh, this uh, past week, they said, we're going to pick up an offering and we're going to give you an opportunity as young adults to participate in the translation of the Bible to all people groups, perhaps by the year 2023. And on that night, these young people raised $1.2 million for the translation of the Bible. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, what, a, what an incredible way to start the year with something big. And, and, and we all, when we start the year, we, we make resolutions, don't we? I mean, we may keep them or we may not, right? We set goals that we may reach or we may forget about by February. Uh, but we all uh, somehow have this desire to do something bigger with our lives, to, to do something that matters, to, to have a new beginning and, and to make a difference. And so we, we make resolutions. That, and so today I've, I've titled the message Resolve. Uh, resolve is, is a determination to do uh, something to, or to abstain from something. Re resolve is, is what is required to succeed in new beginnings. And so today I want us to look at the story of someone who had resolve. Uh, it is a story of Daniel and you may or may not be familiar with it, but I'd like for us to read from uh, Daniel chapter one. And if you're not familiar with what's going on here, you, you might uh, know that uh, in Judah, uh, the, the remaining tribe of Israel, uh, several centuries before Jesus was born, that the northern kingdom of Israel had been taken by Assyria into captivity. And then the southern kingdom, which is called Judah, had been occupied by different uh, uh, kings and kingdoms. And, and they had been occupied by Egypt. And, and Nebuchadnezzar was this king of Babylon, which would be our Iraq. And uh, he was becoming powerful. And, and he was in a context with Egypt. And in that contest, they, he took Judah over and, and took the king of Judah captive. And as he did, he took the articles that were used in the temple of God 
and he brought them to the temple of his own God, his pagan God, not, not Yahweh, not the God of Israel, but, but the God of Nebuchadnezzar. And, and he gave instructions to his officials that they would choose from the nobility, from the royalty, they would choose, choose young men who were good looking and healthy and smart and teachable and trainable so that they could be trained in the Royal Academy to become his spiritual advisors, to, to, become, uh, to, to become part of the king's advisors. And so uh, as, as they choose these, these young men to be trained for the service, they're in captivity for the service of, of this pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, we enter the story in uh, verse six. Now, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had wanted these young men to be prepared in the best way possible, so he made his own royal food and wine available to uh, this Jewish young man. He did not want this academy uh, people to go to the local McDonald's. He didn't even want them to go to Chick-fil-A. He, he didn't want him to have the Popeye's chicken sandwich. He wanted him to have the best food and the best wine in the kingdom. And that's where our story begins in verse 6 of Daniel 1. It says, among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the official, the chief official, for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young man your age? The king would have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Daniel resolved to be faithful to his God. He made a determination and he made a decision. He followed through. He, he stood his ground. What have you resolved to do in 2020? What have you decided that, that you're going to be about this year? What have you determined that you will not do this year? What, what kinds of things are, are you uh, committed to stop doing this year? I, I've made some of my own uh, decisions. Uh, before the holidays, I made some dietary changes. I, I'm, I'm giving up wheat and I'm giving up dairy. I, I'm not saying that you have to do it. I chose to do it for health reasons, and I joined a gym, and I've been working out with, with my son, and I, I thought it was interesting. We've been working out before the holidays, and then January 2nd came, and the gym was packed, packed. And then January 3rd, I went back, and there were less people. 
So I decided to take the day off yesterday. You know, but, but I've made determinations, not only in my physical life, but my relationship with my wife, uh, relationship with my children, my own walk with the Lord, my, my devotional life, my ministry. I've, I've thought about things that I want to see happen in this year, and, and perhaps you've done the same thing. And when I announced the, the text that I was preaching on today to our staff, one of the staff members asked me, are you preaching on the Daniel diet? And he sent me this meme with a kid's frustrated face that said, when the pastor makes everyone go on the Daniel diet. That's not what this message is about. So just chill, okay? Uh, I'm familiar with the Daniel diet and I'm sure it's a good thing. I have nothing against it. But I really believe that the Holy Spirit didn't save this passage for us just so that we would learn a new diet. I, I think that there's something bigger and greater here for us to learn. So let's jump into it. Daniel teaches us, first of all, to resolve in advance. I, I was following a, a, one of the couples from our church that was traveling around the world during the holidays, and the wife was posting pictures of, of great places that they were visiting, and she was checking things off her bucket list. You know, that's one of the things that people do. They, they make a bucket list. They decide, these are the things I want to do before I leave this earth. And, and I think that's interesting. That, that, that's a, a cool thing to do. I was talking to my father-in-law, who's 88 years old, and he still has big plans for his life. You know, and I think that's, that's the spirit to, to decide that, that, you know, you're going to do some great things that matter in your future. Daniel, as a young man, made a decision ahead of time. He found himself in a place he did not choose. His new destiny was the product of someone else's planning. He was in a new country. He was a captive. He was uh, in a new language, in a new culture that was unfamiliar to him. He was in a new religious environment, foreign to him. Sometimes you end up in places where you don't want to be, don't you? Sometimes you are surrounded by circumstances that are not your own doing. Sometimes we hear things in the news that make us nervous, whether there are fires in Australia or wars about to break out somewhere in the Middle East or, or something going on in Washington, D.C. There are things that, that surround us that are not our choice, that are not what we would do, that are not the best. And, and when those things happen, we, we can respond in fear, we can be afraid, or we can get anxious. Some people, when they find themselves in, in places where they didn't choose, they, they get resentful, they get bitter, they get cynical. Uh, other people uh, just, just give up. Well, Daniel didn't do any of these things. Da Daniel, uh, his action, his first action was not a reaction. He did not let his unrequested circumstances dictate the posture of his heart. He resolved to serve and be obedient to his God. Now, he understood the difference, Daniel did, be, between cultural, adapting to your cultural context and caving to a pagan religion. He was willing to learn the Babylonian language. He was willing to learn the Babylonian culture, the Babylonian literature. But the one thing he was not willing to compromise was his relationship with his God. Nebuchadnezzar intended to fully assimilate this young man into the Chaldean or the Babylonian culture and religion. Remember, 
We said at the beginning that he took the articles of the temple of God and brought them to the temple of his God. That was Nebuchadnezzar's way of saying that Israelite religion is going to stay in the past and, and now that religion will serve our religion. And then you notice that under Nebuchadnezzar's rule, uh, the official changed the names of these young men. Did you pick that up? The names Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah all contain some form of God's name, the God of Israel, El, or Yahweh, are bound up in those names. It was the way that, that their parents believed that, that these were covenant children, part of, of God's big plan, but, but now they were giving the names Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All of those names contain some form of the Chaldean God's names. It, it's as if you took someone uh, whose name was Peter or Philip or John and you changed their name to Muhammad or Ali. It says something. It says, look, now you're going to be part of, of something new, something different. Now, Daniel didn't have a choice as to where he would live. Daniel didn't have a choice as to where he would go to college or what career he would follow. Daniel didn't have a choice as to what the king would call him. But the one thing he had a choice about was what he would allow to go into his mouth, what he would be willing to eat. Now, I want to make sure that Daniel, that you understand that Daniel didn't have a problem with meat or wine. There was meat and wine back home in Judah, but in the sacrifices, it often involved the eating of meat and the drinking of wine, but, but, but it was part of the, a covenant relationship. It was received from God with gratitude, and, and it was kept according to God's laws. Daniel's problem was not with meat and wine. Daniel's problem was with the king's meat and wine. Since Nebuchadnezzar was the pagan king, his, his meat delicacies often included unclean animals like bacon or pork or uh, aren't those the same thing? Maybe not. Uh, or, or other things that, that were not part of the covenant relationship with Israel. And often pagan kings would offer meat and wine to their gods. The, the, the meat and the wine that they would consume at the table were part of, of a sacrifice that had been offered to a foreign god. Daniel in advance resolved not to defile himself. He, he made a decision ahead of time. He, he resolved at the start of his life. We have a breakfast group, some of us men, that we get together on a weekly basis and we talk about the ways in which we want to grow. And, and lately, one of our conversations has been about diets and, and how we want to be healthier. And, and one of the men tells us, well, the diet I follow is a spiritual diet. And we say, well, what do you mean by that? He said, well, before I get to El Pato, I pray, God, help me have self-control so that I don't need too many tacos. You know, and before I get to such and such restaurant or before I enter, uh, before I sit down at the dining table, I pray and say, God, give me self-control so that I don't overeat. And, and we laugh a little bit about it, but we thought that's a great plan. It is deciding ahead of time. See, resolve is making a decision of what you put in your plate before you get to the buffet line. Re resolve is a decision on how you're going to respect your girlfriend's purity before you go out on a date. Resolve means that you're going to decide what is good to do with your money before your paycheck arrives. 
Resolve means that you will decide what is an appropriate way to speak at work and at school before you show up to work. Resolve means that, that you have determined how and what it is that honors God before you're even entering into a difficult situation. It means deciding ahead of time how you will obey God, what you will do, what you will not do. Resolve is the opposite of going with the flow or waiting to see what happens. Resolve is not about rules. It's about pursuing a holy God. I like what Tim Keller tweeted this week. He said, the gospel is not about choosing to follow advice. It's about being called to follow a king. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He chose holiness before he faced temptation. He chose his God over the Chaldean gods. Resolve in advance. Secondly, risk by faith. Resolve involves risk. You might think that going vegan is not the most dangerous thing in the world. You know, uh, Pastor Rolando, who uh, is part of our staff and, and preaches a Spanish service, sometimes he preaches here, has recently decided to go vegan for health reasons. And I told him, look, I respect that. That's good for you. I said, John the Baptist ate locust and wild honey in the desert. Jesus ate fish and drank wine. You be like John the Baptist, I'll be like Jesus. <laughs> and let the people criticize us both. <laughs> Daniel resolved to go vegan. This word for vegetables is seed grown. It was plant-based diet and, and he decided not to defile himself with the king's food. He was taking a big risk and you say, well, how is that? You know, royal jobs are, are, are nice, but they're dangerous too. When you get to live and work with kings, you, you can enjoy royal privileges, but you can also die royally. You know, people who work in, in high places in government offices, they know that it's really a high privilege to get hired, but you can get fired really fast too. Nebuchadnezzar's chief of staff had, had been charged with preparing these, these young men for a royal service. They were supposed to, for three years, get trained and, and learn and get fed and get fit so that at the end of the three years, they would be healthy and robust and, and Nebuchadnezzar would have the best advisors in his court. And, and this officer knew that if, he, that if he failed to produce the best court advisors, if at the end of the three years Nebuchadnezzar would look at this young man and they didn't satisfy the way uh, he wanted them to look, that, that someone would have to answer for that. And, and Daniel was aware that, that if he didn't eat of the meat and the wine, if he, if he, if he ate something else, that, that then the officer would have his life in danger. And so he offers the officer uh, an opportunity. He said, why don't you let us eat vegetables, plant-based food for, for 10 days and, and drink water. And at the end of the 10 days, look at us and look at everyone else who's been eating the meat and drinking the wine from the king's table. And, and then you decide. You decide what you're going to do. Daniel was, was taking a chance. He, he, was, he was being risky. It was a faith-driven choice. Daniel was confident that if he kept his covenant relationship with God, God would take care of the way he looked, his appearance, his strength. 
The chief official accepted the offer and after 10 days of a vegan diet for the four Jewish young men, he observed their appearance and make a decision. You know, obeying God always involves risk. Obeying God always requires faith. It means trusting God at his word. See, that the temptation is to go where our eyes lead us. The temptation is to, to do what everyone else thinks is right. But obedience is about trusting God's word. Resolving to obey God may call for financial risk. It, it may call for personal risk. Resolving to obey God may, may cause inconvenience. Resolving to obey God may mean that, that you have to let go of something or someone. It's risky. It involves faith. People in high places are often tempted to compromise in order to keep their position. It happened in ancient courts of kings and it happens in modern White Houses. Convenience and compromise tend to go together and resolve and risk tend to go together also. See, some people want a comfortable religion, but there are some who want an adventurous faith. I remember when I was in college, there was a, a Christian artist by the name of Steve Camp, and, and he had a song that, that started out with the words, some people want to live within the sound of chapel bells, but I want to run a mission a yard from the gates of hell. He was quoting C.T. Studd. There's a kind of religion that is safe and comfortable. There is a kind of religion that, that is consumer driven. But following God and living his mission is, is always dangerous and risky and adventuresome. C.S. Lewis in, in his book, The Four Loves, writes something that, that really has, has shaken me this week as I've read it and, and it may shake you too. I'll, I'll share it with you. He says this, there is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. Well, think about that. That'll make you chew on it. Daniel resolved not to live in the hell of safety. Daniel resolved not to live in the hell of convenience. Daniel resolved not to live in the hell of compromise. He, he took a risk. He, he, he risked by faith. He took his chances because he trusted his God. Risk by faith. And third and finally, received by grace. God, God honored Daniel's faith. 
Daniel resolved not to defile himself and, and God gave him grace before his superiors. Let's, let's finish the story uh, picking up on verse 15. It says at the end of the 10 days, they look healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented him to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. This is not a lesson on how going vegan is better than eating meat. Although if you're vegan, that's perfectly okay. But that's not what the lesson is here. This is a lesson on how faith releases the power and grace of God in your life. How when, when you trust God at his word, he, he does the rest by grace. These four young men look healthier and better nourished than the rest of the Hogwarts Academy. I mean, they were training to be magicians and wizards in, in Nebuchadnezzar's court. And, and, and these young men not only look healthier and more robust, but, but they get smarter and they have spiritual insight, not from the dark side, but from the God, the living God. And, and Nebuchadnezzar notices this is a work of grace. Daniel and his friends didn't make themselves healthier. Daniel and his friends didn't make themselves smarter. Daniel and his friends didn't develop spiritual insight. They just obeyed God and God took care of the rest. He gave the grace to change them. And when we think about our own resolve, let me, let me share with you that gospel resolve is not about willpower. Gospel resolve is about grace. As you make decisions for the new year, make sure that you're not relying on your own strength, on your own app, on your own plan, on your own formula. You cannot produce spiritual vitality in your life by yourself. You cannot break all habits in your own strength. You cannot have victory over temptation on your own. You must rely on God's grace. I love what Jeff Warren, pastor of Park City's church in Dallas, said, uh, tweeted this week. He said, instead of change, pursue his presence. Progress without presence leads only to more chaos, exhaustion, and disillusionment. Seek holiness. If you do so, his presence is certain to bring about change in your heart and life. If not, you haven't yet experienced his presence. You see, your commitment is not to resolution and goals. Your commitment is to a living, powerful God full of grace. Fall in love with him. Follow him wherever he leads you. Listen to his voice. Trust him at his word. Learn your limitations and learn to lean on him. Don't be afraid to ask him for help. Don't be afraid to ask others for help. Sometimes God has put people around you to dispense his grace. 
one of the sad things about the holidays is how many people take their own lives. What a difficult thing it is to know of a friend or a loved one who's not with us anymore. And we think about the fact that all of us, all of us struggle, that none of us can make it on our own. And there are people, some of you here, that, that are thinking you're alone, that you're the only one that has those struggles and those problems. And I'm here to tell you, no, 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 we all struggle with it. We all have challenges. Now, I don't understand depression. It's one of those things I can't wrap my mind around. And I will say this to people who don't understand it like I don't understand it, that please, please don't give cliche answers to people who are struggling with depression. You can't tell a depressed person to just have a better attitude, just like you can't take, tell a paralytic to just stand up and walk. There's some things that, that are beyond our reach, that, that, that are mysteries. And the only thing that we can do is to be people of grace and to know how to ask for help and to know how to reach out and to reach out to others. Daniel trusted in the grace of God. He was at the beginning of a new season in his life. His, his circumstances were, were not favorable. He lived in a place he didn't want to live. He, he was in a palace that he didn't choose to go to. He, he was in a country that was foreign to him in a religion that was against his own religion. But in such an adverse situation, Daniel had a choice. And his choice was to obey God by faith and to receive his grace. He resolved not to defile himself. As you began the new year, what, what will you choose? What will you resolve to do? This 2020, how will you take advantage of the opportunity for a new start? Will you obey God? Will you trust him? In which specific way do you need to do that today? In which specific way do you need to obey God this year? December 30th in the morning, Lois Evans, wife of Pastor Tony Evans, who has pastored Oakleaf Bible Fellowship for a long time, passed from this world into the next world. Tony Evans, one of pastors that I admire, said just before the sun came up this morning, the love of my life transitioned from earth and watched her first sunrise from heaven. Tony and Lois Evans were a couple that started their church on their own with their family and they raised their children to serve God. She loved to serve pastor's wives and started ministries to pastor's wives because she understood. But cancer at the age of 70 called for her life. Priscilla Schreier, her daughter, best-selling author and actress in Christian films, wrote on, on Twitter, good night, my beautiful, beloved mommy. I'll see you in the morning. I want my life to be like the life of Lois Evans. Live big. Live with purpose. I want to resolve 
to live a life that matters. What about you? Would you stand with me? Bow your head. And think about what God is calling you to choose today. How he's offering his grace to your life. And how you'll receive that grace. Father, thank you for the life of Daniel and his resolve to you and how you honored his faith. Today we pray, God, that we would have that resolve that only you can give, not on our own willpower, but on the power of your spirit. Help us to have new beginnings. For some of us, that means accomplishments for others of us, it, it means healing. It means comfort. It means closing up wounds and receiving your grace. Whatever it means to each of us, we trust you to be able to do it. So we release our hearts to you. We release our faith to you right now. You know the brokenness, you know the pain, you know the desires, you know the joys, the victories, the failures. Here they are. We present our hearts to you. Pour your grace on them like only you can. As you meditate on what God has told you and how you need to respond, Make a commitment where you are to trust and obey in a specific way in your life. I also want to invite you to prepare your heart for communion. This is the first Sunday of the year. We're going to start by celebrating communion. So maybe you need to pray and, and confess a sin or just simply prepare your heart for this special occasion. After you've prayed, then you can take your seat. And after everyone has taken their seat, our ushers will distribute the elements. <laughs>